Well, I want to welcome you all to another Daily Decade, your rosary on the road. Recording a little bit later, and I'm going to get it posted a little bit later than usual, so many of you probably will not hear this until Saturday. But it is First Friday, uh, and I encourage you to take advantage of that. I know that it's a little bit late to be making the encouragement. You probably won't be able to get to Mass. There's a chance that you might be able to get to uh, perpetual adoration if you have somewhere that's offering that so you can sit in the presence of our blessed Lord and spend a little bit of time in mental prayer which is an excellent way to spend it but otherwise I encourage you to say a full rosary uh, or at least a, a an act of consecration to the sacred heart there's a lot of benefits and I'm, I'm, I have to assume that the majority of people who are Catholic and listening to this probably are already familiar with the first Friday devotion and everything that goes along with it. But in case you're not, there is a tremendous benefit to doing this. Uh, There's the graces that are promised by our Lord, of course, and those are uh, 15 in number. Uh, And among them are are happy death, uh, a a guarantee of being spared spared from hell, uh, among other spiritual benefits, but there's also benefits that our Lord doesn't mention, probably because they're really paltry compared to the promises that he makes. Uh, and, and those include a, a real rejuvenation of your spiritual life, and they include a, a, a personal improvement, a personal betterment that sort of kickstarts the month. It gives you a, a new start every month, almost like a New Year's resolution, except that instead of making it once a year and then running through it in two months and giving it up, you are renewing this resolution every single month before the presence of our Lord, either in the tabernacle, uh, in the reserved sacrament, uh, or uh, in the presence of the Lord in some other way. Bishop Sheen would even recommend that uh, you spent time reading Scripture. If you couldn't make a holy hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament, it's it's not the Blessed Sacrament, but it's uh, not a bad second place <laughs> to spend some time with our with the Word of God in the more general sense, or I guess the more specific sense. It's hard to say, and that's another way that you can spend today uh, in in the sea and this evening. Now, if you're hearing this on Saturday, then you you have a first Saturday devotion. If you're hearing it Saturday morning, you might still be able to make it to Mass for the first Saturday devotion to our Blessed Mother, uh, which was requested specifically by her at the apparition of Fatima uh, to get us out of the troubles that we have fallen into. She was warning us before we fell into them, but the promise is still there. Along the devotion to her Immaculate Heart couples with the consecration of Russia as being two requests that she specifically made in order to help us avoid the calamities that fell upon us in the 20th century. And if the 21st century has shown us anything, it's that these calamities are only increasing. So two fantastic opportunities, both for you personally as well as in general to have a, a real impact on the world. You know, everyone's running around saying, do something. I want to do something. I can't just sit around. Well, it may be hard for you to understand the way in which you're doing something when you pray, but you are, in fact, doing something. And if enough people are making regular prayers and regular devotions, that has a real tangible impact on the world around you. Our Lord promises it. He guarantees it. Because we are not merely physical. The world that we live in is bound up in the spiritual. 
and in those things which are seen and un- those things which are unseen not everything is what is seen that's part of the reason why we pray for the holy souls in the month of november speaking of we have a requiem prayer today for uh, vr sally and uh, bobby that was submitted to us uh, uh, and we've got another prayer that was submitted uh, by dw who's on a job hunt just got a uh, a job but it's only part-time it looks like he might be looking at full-time employment uh, we're going to pray uh, for him as well and if you have any prayers of any kind you're looking for a job you've got a job got a promotion looking for a promotion you have someone who's passed away you have some other trouble any struggle that you're dealing with uh, first of all you have the i'm not going to be broadcasting your name and an address on here or anything like that so you do still have the preservation of anonymity but the preservation of anonymity with the promise of all of these people that are willing to pray for you and you know we've got almost a hundred years that are or I guess I should say a hundred sets of ears that are tuned in to this program. And all of us are praying for you. And I'll put you on my personal rosary in addition to what we do here on the Daily Decade. So there's really, I can't think of a good reason not to do it. And I have a lot of regular people that have been writing in, asking for prayers, taking advantage of it. And these prayers have been answered. Because they, because those who have faith will have their prayers answered, especially if they're praying for good and decent things. Now, I can't guarantee you that you're going to get a Camaro or anything. I'm not that. <laughs> this isn't that kind of broadcast. But uh, you know, if you're asking for things that Joel Osteen wouldn't think of, the chances are you're asking for things that are worthy. So, by all means, send in your prayer requests. Daily Decad requests at protonmail.com is the email address. That's Decad D E C A D E requests in the plural. You can also contact me on Gab at the Daily Decad. Uh, that's also the Telegram channel. You can leave a comment on the website, which is Pray the Rosary Every Day. WordPress.com, where we're syndicated at ExodusAmericanus.com. You can. Find me, personally, me, on the Fediverse, Mario Goretti, at nobodyhasthe.biz. And I think that exhausts the list. So all, a lot of different ways to get in touch with me or somebody who can get in touch with me and uh, get you added on to our prayer lists here. For now, though, let's go ahead and turn our hearts and our minds to God on behalf of DW uh, and his... Uh, job search and we'll also say a requiem for uh, VR Sally and Bobby today is oh yeah, I already said that today's Friday isn't it so we're going to pray in Latin in nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti Amen Father Noster quies in Ceris Sanctificator Nomen Tum Arveniat Regnum Via voluntas tua, sicut in cielo et in terra. Panam nostrum quotidianum da nobis horiae. Et de midi nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos de minimus debitoribus nostris. Et ne nos inducas in tentationum, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, nominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. 
Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus Tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus Tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus Tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, Nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto. Sicur erat in principio, et nunc et semper et in saecula saeculorum. Amen. Salve, Regina, Mater Misericordia, vita dolcero et spes nostre, salve. Ad te clamamus, exulis filia evi. Ad te suspiramus, gementes et flentes, in hac lacramarum vale. Ea ergo, advocata nostra, ilos tuas misericordes oculos ad nos converte. Et Jesum, Beatum, Fructum, Ventris Tui, Nobis Postum Exilium Ostende, O Clemens, O Pia, O Dulce Virgo Maria. Ora per Nobis, Sancta Dei Genetrix, Ut Digni Officiamor Permissionibus Christi. Oremus. Pour forth we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts that we to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion 
and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Saint Isidore, called the farmer, and Saint Joseph, the patron of all workers, we humbly approach thee and beg thy approach you and beg your intercession on behalf of the servant of God, D.W., who is seeking work so that he, like all good men, might ply his hands in a trade and grow with it and provide for those to whom, for whom he is appointed as guardian, caretaker, and provider. Help him to accomplish this task by thy intercessions before the throne of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and who livest and reignest with the Father and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. For all of us in our daily labors, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Most sacred, Sacratissimum Coriezu, Miserere Nobis. Sacratissimum Coriezu, Miserere Nobis. Sacratissimum Coriezu, Adveniat Regnum Tum. In nomine Pacis, Ephiriit Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So this might sound a little bit different because I had to do a second recording. The first recording just didn't really work. Um, I think it has to do with the fact that it's been a long day and so my thoughts weren't coming together particularly well. I wanted to talk about the idea of being forgiving versus being tolerant. That's the thing that's on my mind because, well, there's a lot of different things that are, that are sort of playing into it. There's a... Uh, <laughs> As Christians, there are certain things that are expected of us, laid out by our blessed Lord in sacred scripture. It talks about forgive, Peter has to forgive his brother seven times, seventy times. You, you see in the, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Uh, and, and turn the other cheek, walk the second mile, all of that sort of thing. And, and one can get the impression that Christianity is a doormat religion that you're simply supposed to just take the blows as they come and put up with them, and in the end, everyone will get their just desserts. And yet, there's a, a passage in Scripture that throws a wrench in all of this, and that is, Be ye wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. And there's another passage later on, that our Lord reveals to St. John, uh, in the book of Revelation, in which he says, uh, in which he condemns lukewarmness. Well, what is tolerance and nicety other than tepidity and timidity, lukewarmness, and the, the state of being cowardly? Now, Christianity is not a yellow religion. Christ <laughs> Christ did not blanch at the at the at the cross at Calvary he marched up there and he and he was crucified suffered terribly we talked about it earlier this week i think exactly what it entailed that takes a tremendous amount of manhood to do that 
and we're all caught and and you know if it was a matter of of lukewarmness uh, if it was a matter of just going with the flow and uh, and moving along with the with the tide of of the culture and the people immediately around us and a religion truly a religion of tolerance and of worldly peace i should hardly think that so many hundreds of thousands of people should have allowed themselves to be brutally murdered by uh, caesar and and stalin and so many others uh, for the preservation of their faith no christianity is not a a tepid or or a a cowardly religion by any stretch of the imagination and it's not a tolerant one either christianity is incredibly intolerant because one drop of toxin poisons an entire draft of truth and that poison is truly intolerable to a religion which is founded on truth and so how do we how do we all of this is all just platitudes when you say it out loud it's there's a question of how to apply it how do you apply it you know you have the passage from Solzhenitsyn live not by lies well Rod Dreyer picked up on that and he's a man who says an awful who uses an awful lot of words to say nothing and turn that phrase into a into an empty platitude like everything else that he writes and Solzhenitsyn was a, a man of much greater stature who did not write platitudes and so we have to get to the heart of what that means for Christianity, what it means to avoid the poison draft and to drink only of the cup of the truth. And what it means to be tolerant, what it means to be patient. And when one has to draw the line when things have gone too far, And it's a hard call to make, but it's ultimately one that's based in prudence and one which we are called to make by Christ. We are. We are it's a matter of, it's not a matter of pride and dignity so much, which I think most people imagine it to be. It's rather much more a question of what is just and in keeping with justice. God does not expect us to permit injustice, even injustice against ourselves. Now, you know, the as the as the Athenians said in the uh, in the Peloponnesian War, the uh, strong do what they can, the weak suffer what they must, and we are called to uh, permit a certain degree of uh, well, not weakness necessarily, but uh, we are to be meek. And so when we find ourselves in an inferior position and there is nothing we can do to stop injustice, then yes, we must suffer it and we must suffer it willingly and offer it to Christ. But that's different than uh, refusing to resist uh, a, a, an evil enacted against us. And I'm not talking politics here. That's not, that's not where I'm going with this. Or rather, I'm talking about those little injustices, the little things that happen in our lives, because those are the harder decisions to make. It's easy to recognize when a state is being tyrannical and when the line is drawn in the sand and when one, one must spill one's blood for the faith. That's never a difficult decision. It's difficult in terms of, it's a, it's, I should say it's never a complex decision. It's a hard decision because it's hard to commit to. 
but it's not difficult to, to recognize when the decision has to be made. It's not hard to recognize when must, one must choose the side one is on. That's easy. People who tell you it's hard are lying. It's hard to commit to the faith. But I'm talking about in our day-to-day lives, when we have ordinary people around us, the degree to which we permit ourselves to be taken advantage of. And that sort of thing. And that's a hard decision to make. It is. But it is one that we should not imagine that we can simply let pass by. We can't imagine that God expects us to be taken advantage of. That we are to lay down and simply be trodden upon. That's not at all what we're called to do. Certainly there are some monks who are called to do that. There were several great monks who... Uh, through extreme humility uh, enacted these sorts of things upon themselves, accepted charges that were false, uh, and Christ himself remained silent when accused by Pilate, setting the example for that. But at the same time, there's also a measure of defense. After all, St. Paul, when he's called the trial, defends himself, speaks of himself. He's called before the Sanhedrin, gives an incredibly eloquent speech in his own defense. Uh, he doesn't accept the false charges laid at his feet or any of that sort of thing. So there is a time to speak up for oneself. And ultimately, it falls to us to discern what is right and just and what is nice. I'll use that word. It's a loaded word. It has a lot of history in our language. In the English language, the word nice until oh about 125 years ago maybe 150 years ago meant stupid it was a it was a word that described someone who was uh, ignorant and naive to the point of helplessness it was uh, it, it was an it was an insult uh, probably roughly equivalent to I, I suppose the, the way that the term, at the time, of course, the term mentally retarded had a clinical meaning still. It wasn't so popularly used. But when we use the word retarded now, that's really how the word nice would have been used about 150 to 175 years ago. Now, of course, to be nice is a positive thing. It's shifted. Because if you're nice, then you, it, it's, at some point, somebody decided, I suppose a group of people decided that niceness meant guilelessness, and guilelessness is a is a positive trait in in a in a certain degree. After all, Christ greets Nathaniel as a true Israelite in whom there is no guile. So, to a degree, we are called to guilelessness, but we're never called to being just stupid, to be taken advantage of. And this is something that was once valued by certain societies. It sounds rather absurd, doesn't it? But it is. In fact, you see that uh, among the Norse heathen, the pagans of uh, the Germanic pagans. Uh, Thor was very nice. He was dumb as a brick. And he was taken advantage of constantly. He was a very pitiable creature, really. Incredibly powerful. Dumb as an ox. And taken advantage of and frequently tricked because of it. And those were seen as positive traits, heroic traits even. Uh, 
until Christianity came along and taught people that they didn't have to be morons <laughs> to, to be good and virtuous. That simplicity did not necessarily mean uh, gullibility, so to speak. There's a uh, th- there's a belief, uh, there's a saying that, that a, it, an honest man is impossible to fool. And, and there is a, a lot of truth to that. Uh, a man who is, but I, I don't know that it's necessarily honesty that's that's the hallmark. Rather, a truthful man, a man who understands truth, is impossible to fool because he under. If you understand truth, inevitably you understand its opposite, and you understand the kind of person who lives in the midst of its opposite. And we are called to understand truth, to love it. Because God is truth. And we are called to be honest in that way. Not merely as someone who speaks true things, but someone who is, uh, who is bound to truth. And as long as you are bound to truth, then you, recognize, you have an ability to recognize duplicity. And with simplicity, to call it out. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean to call it out in an accusatory way, to call someone and say, you know, you're, you're, you're a liar. That's, a, uh, that's certainly a direct way to do it, and it does accomplish something. But there's rather another way to do it, which is to be completely open. Because Christ does tell us, he tells us, let your answers be yea, yea, nay, nay. Uh, swear not by anything. Uh, and... That's really what it ultimately it it means to be simple in speech and direct, not necessarily rude or obscene, but simple and direct. The sort of, that doesn't make sense to me. And it often will frustrate the duplicitous one, because they're counting on you being dumb, not being simple. And actually, really, it's funny, that word dumb has changed in its meaning as well. It used to describe someone who could not speak. Stupid. They're counting on you being stupid, not simple. And those two words have been confused. They're counting on you being a rube. And, uh, and simple men are rarely rubes. You know. There's, um, <laughs> I, it's, I suppose it's not really a reference that you would expect to hear on any kind of religious broadcast, but uh, in the if any of you have ever seen the film The Outlaw Josie Wales, there's a snake oil salesman character in it, and there's an Indian uh, that travels with the character of Josie Wales. And uh, the snake oil salesman is always going, he's got this uh, stuff with him uh, that uh, is, well, that he's selling for st- all sorts of things, cures all ills, get rid of ulcers and whatnot, uh, it's uh, uh, it it'll solve all of your problems, grow your hair back, etc. There's two approaches that are taken by the characters in uh, in Josie Wales, and uh, the the first one is the rude approach, uh, which is Josie Wales's approach, where he uh, he chews tobacco, he spits on the man's white suit, and says, "How's it with stains?" And uh, then later on, the same snake oil salesman runs into uh, the Indian who's accompanying Josie Wales and says, this is perfect. This is, this, this, it's perfect for the, uh, 
uh, the Indian that, uh, that that can't hold his drink, you know, the, the fire water and all of that. And the, uh, the, the response that's given is, you drink it. <laughs> the state girl salesman won't, won't uh, well, it obviously can't. Uh, he, he he doesn't he doesn't know what's in it. He's not gonna he's not gonna risk it, and that's a wonderful example of simplicity. It's that's that's it's put in the mouth of of an Indian in that particular case, and I believe that for all intents and purposes, the character in the in the film, like in the book, is a, he's a heathen Indian. He's not converted or anything like that. Um, although he may be, he was one of the five civilized tribes. I'm not going to dwell on it either way. It's a wonderful lesson. There's a simplicity that we must cultivate in ourselves, a love of truth that we must cultivate in ourselves. That's not, we say love of truth, and that, that you know, it smacks of, of uh, golden harps and ivory towers and all of that, but it's not like that. It, love of truth is, is, is uh, much more down to earth than that. A farmer loves the truth. St. Isidore the farmer, who we who invoke today, loved the truth. He was a lover of truth. And a simple man. Simply, you know, this, we don't have to be St. Thomas Aquinas. It's, it's easy enough to be uh, St. Anthony the Great in the desert. Very simple man. Because in that simplicity, we can recognize duplicity. And it allows us to cut through things. And it also encourages us not to tolerate attempts to take advantage of us. And it also allows us, being lovers of truth, to recognize when we're not being taken advantage of. But our ego says that we are because we want to feel persecuted. Puffs us up. It's a wonderful thing to be to feel persecuted, especially when you're not actually being persecuted. You get all the benefits of persecution and none of the negatives. And, he, and the devil loves to tempt us with that. So it's something to be on the lookout for. And when we are persecuted and when we are attacked by people around us and taken advantage of, to cultivate the simplicity to be able to call out the snake oil salesman is a great Christian virtue and one that's much neglected. Because people confuse crassness with simplicity. I think an awful lot of people looked at Donald Trump, for example, and thought that he was a simple man. He was not a simple man. He's just crass. But we've been so long without simplicity in our society that it's hard to tell the difference between the two. And that's our job as Christians is to model this so that people can look at us and say, ah, that's what simplicity looks like. That's what it means to be a simple man. That's what it means to be a lover of truth. And so, my prayer today, on this first Friday, and by the way, on Guy Fox Day, I should add. Uh, now there was a there, there was a man who, uh, it, with his with his friends, decided that they were not going to tolerate something any longer. Uh, unfortunately, to their uh, um, much to their uh, misfortune in the end. But uh, taking the lessons of our blessed Lord whose heart is a powerful aid against evil, and yet a simple heart, because God is both the most complex and 
an incomprehensible being on in in all existence and yet creates us in his image and likeness and tells us to restore the image of God in us we must be as little children simple so this infinitely complex being values simplicity above all other things and therefore must himself be simple have simplicity about him because he himself is perfect and he cannot he cannot desire that which he is not or he would not be perfect so that which he desires for us simplicity he must be himself and so my prayer is that all of us will cultivate that simplicity in ourselves that we will inspire inspired by the holy ghost cultivate true simplicity so that we will avoid persecution and we will avoid being taken advantage of and duplicitous people and we will be able to overcome them in such a way that we set examples for others to be able to look at us and say there is a simple man and to be simple enough not to be tempted towards pride at in those moments but rather in our simplicity and our humility be more like god in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen <laughs>